So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Anne. You guys, Kylie Jenner officially had her baby. No more conspiracy theories. No more spiraling. She gave birth to a baby boy on February 2nd. I am so happy she gave birth. And not just because it brings me irrational joy, but because I feel like I've gotten to a point where I'm just ready for the insane conspiracy theories to end. And now that she's given birth, I feel like we're finally there. Yes. It got a little crazy there. Like when there was speculation that she was wearing a prosthetic stomach to Chicago and Stormy's birthday, I think that's when we were like, guys, we are as invested in this as anyone, but let's all just take a deep breath. We're going to have answers very soon. The last theory hurdle we just have to get over now is what the baby's name is. Yes. So I'm sure you all have seen, there's a lot of conversation over people thinking the baby's name is Angel because a lot of people commenting on the post are saying Angel Baby, which I guess technically that's possible. But in my mind, they're just commenting that because 222 is an angel number, which is basically consecutive numbers that have some sort of a spiritual significance. So that's where that's coming from. I guess technically it's possible, but I don't think it's Angel. I think it's going to be something that we have no idea. The thing with me and guessing the baby names is like, I don't even bother. I feel like it's not worth my energy because I could have spent years trying to come up with what Kylie would have named her baby the first time around and never would I have landed on Stormy. So it almost feels like a waste of time for me to exert my energy and try for the next one. It's not just Stormy though. You could have put me in a room for hours. I would have never said true. I would have never said dream. I would have never said Mason. I mean, I just, I don't think that the names for the most part are ones that people had guessed. North and Chicago were the only ones, I think, in the whole family where you could have guessed the names. Right. And North really, people were guessing because that was a rumor and then Kim just ended up actually doing it. Well, what happened with that is, you were saying before when we were talking about the baby names, like North was such a shock, but it was really only such a shock because we couldn't believe she actually went through with it and did it because it was such a rumor for, for months that she was going to do that. And Kim actually told the story, I believe it was in her 73 questions, that Anna Wintour was actually the reason she named North North because Kim obviously thought it was such a ridiculous name. And then Anna Wintour was like, no, I think it's genius. And Kim was like, okay, well, if I have her seal of approval, then maybe it is actually good. Right. And then going on top of that, I know people had guessed Chicago before Chicago was born, but I think people were only guessing Chicago because they had North in the back of their minds. Like if North name never existed. I don't think people would have guessed Chicago, even knowing Kanye's love for the city. I just think they wouldn't have even been thinking in directions or city names. 
I feel like with celebrity baby names, specifically the Kardashians, there's always somebody on Twitter who accidentally throws it out. And so Chicago would have been one of those names where it's like, it wouldn't have been a mass theory online where I would have been like, I think it's going to be Chicago. But one person would have tweeted and been like, I bet they named that baby Chicago. And then they retweet it eight months later and being like, I can't believe how right I was. Right. And also as each kid is born and you see the frequency of nicknames, it becomes more possible because when North was born, they were talking, you know, we call her Nori. Remember when she was little, they would call her Nori all the time. And obviously with Chicago, Kim says how they call her like shy, shy. So now when you're thinking, you're also thinking, what could the nickname possibly be? Or maybe you're not thinking about it at all because you're a normal person and this doesn't consume your mind. (laughs) But for us, and hopefully a lot of you listening, that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it doesn't consume your mind or at least a little bit, but if it doesn't, I mean, good for you. I'm, I'm honestly impressed. I feel like, (laughs) you know, what's funny also is just linking the conversation to euphoria because we're about to get into that. Every time I hear storm Reed's name, I want to be like stormy. Yes. And also what an unplanned, but brilliant transition. I thought you would like that. I, I would never would have thought we would be able to link Kylie's pregnancy to euphoria somewhat seamlessly. Handshake emoji, storm, yeah. storm. <laughs> okay, so we'll get into that in a second, but don't fast forward yet if, if you need a spoiler alert. I just want to set the scene, which is last night, Julie and I are technically together, but we were both so tired last night that we watched it in our separate rooms at nine o'clock because there was a chance we were going to fall asleep while watching. And I have to tell you, that was one of the more anxiety-provoking television-watching experiences I have had. Don't wean me with that shit because honestly, I'll <laughs> never forgive you for making me watch that alone, ever. I'm sorry, I was so tired, but we haven't. We literally have not discussed it because I fell asleep immediately after. I didn't fall asleep because I was insanely anxious. Okay, should we give the official spoiler alert so we can get into it? Yeah, I think that's a smart idea. Okay, if you have not yet watched Euphoria season two, episode five, fast forward. We'll put an ad break here. We'll have the discussion, then we'll put an ad break at the end, and then we'll get into Kanye and Kim and everything else. But I need to debrief that episode with someone. Let's do it. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. 
So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I think that before we start, I should give a trigger warning just for addiction and substance abuse because, I mean, last night was an incredibly intense episode that really highlighted just what addiction can do to a person and how this disease manifests itself and really takes over your mind, your body, your decision-making skills. I mean, what a raw representation of something that is so traumatic for so many people. It was insanely well done. And I think the collective reaction on the internet really echoes that in the sense of like, they nailed it. Like that struggle, that pain, all of it, everything that was in this whole episode was such a representation of what it's like to both be an addict and love someone who's an addict. And it's interesting because we had had this discussion the last time we spoke about Euphoria, where we were saying like, obviously one of the reactions to the show as a whole is just there's so much about it that's so illogical and like so much that's out of our realm of what we think of a high school experience. And we had actually gotten an inbox. I don't even know if you saw this where somebody was saying like, I don't know how you can say it's so illogical when the subject matter of dealing with addiction is so spot on. Like you must not have had anybody that has dealt with that in order to arrive at that conclusion. And one of the things we said when we were talking about the show being kind of illogical is that like within all of that, there's so much accuracy in the different characters and there's so much accuracy in the details. And that's where the addiction element of it really comes into play. Because while the high school experience as a whole is something that's obviously extremely dramatized for TV and extremely dramatized for this specific show, those details such as Rue's journey with addiction is really the part of the show that's so unbelievably accurate and portrayed so unbelievably well. Totally. And to that point specifically, I want to read what Zendaya posted because she posted a screenshot of something she had said in an interview and asked about Rue. So she said, I think in this show and this season more specifically, she hits rock bottom. It's my hope for people watching that they still see her as a person worthy of their love and worthy of their time and that she has a redemptive quality still and that we still see the good in her, even if she can't see it in herself. I think that if people can go with her through that and get to the end and still have hope for her future and watch her make the changes and steps to heal and humanize her through her sobriety journey and her addiction, then maybe they can extend that to people in real life. If you can love her, then you can love someone that's struggling with the same thing and maybe have a greater understanding of the pain they're facing. That is often out of their control. So for me, that's the most important thing. I care about her deeply. I also care about the people who care about her because I think many of them share her story of addiction and sobriety and many of them share a lot of her emotional disorders. And I think it's important that we continue to have that love for her. I don't know. That was a long-winded way of just saying that I think it's important that we have characters that are flawed and remember that we are not the worst mistake we've ever made and that redemption is possible. 
I mean, this, imagine us just watching it and how anxiety filled we were, especially in that first 10, 20 minutes of the show where she is just doing probably one of the greatest acting performances any of us have ever seen. And so I can't even imagine what it's like to be that character because I think a lot of times you really take that on. Obviously, we've seen so many people who have over the years struggled as a result of the characters they've played, namely Heath Ledger, I think comes to mind the most. But the thing I think with Zendaya and Rue specifically is that Zendaya really feels that. Like she really feels Rue as being a part of herself and she really brings that character to life. So I can only imagine the crossover there in terms of how intense it must be to play a character that you genuinely care about. Yes, and I think it was her story that I saw this on where it was a photo of her and Hunter that someone took like behind the scenes and she made the caption something like, a lot of necessary I love yous between takes. Because I can imagine, I mean, when you have to fill your body with that much rage to be able to give that type of performance, that's jarring for everyone else in the room, even when everybody is aware that they're acting. Like, I just have to feel that that must be such a bonding experience. Yeah, and also the in-between takes to remind yourself that it isn't real. Because when you watch a show like that, again, I can't even imagine playing it versus just watching that. But you really have to take a minute when you're watching to be like, this isn't real, this isn't really happening. Like, the last 10 minutes of the show specifically were, I I had to keep reminding myself that it wasn't real because that anxiety hits so hard and it, they really make you feel. And I think it's such a testament to the show as a whole because not every show does that. I told you, as I was falling asleep last night, I was like, you're safe. You're not being trafficked. Rue is a fake character. Yeah, but I, of course, like logically, but I think the reason that it makes it even additionally harder is because this isn't so out of the realm of possibilities. This unfortunately is a reality that happens to a lot of people. You know, you get yourself into a situation with addiction where you're in so deep and you're unfortunately desperate and you get yourself surrounded by some really bad people who are really willing to take advantage of you. And to me, that's why this was so hard because no, of course, Rue is a fictional character, but what she represents is like a very dark reality that a lot of people face. And the real the real moments like that, we don't typically get to see. And this felt as real as any of those. So, it, oh my God. I mean, when she was opening that window, just as the guy is, is waking up and you don't know if she's going to get out, that's bone chilling stuff. The, the scene with the morphine, I, I texted you and I said, I, I don't know if I can finish this episode. I really had to push myself through it. I've never, I don't even know if I've ever felt anxiety like that watching something before, because I don't think that if I had felt that anxious watching something, I would have pushed myself through. Right. But it's just so good. And the acting is so good that you, you want to see what happens. You feel like you need to see what happens. No, I would have never forgiven myself if I stopped watching because again, the whole show goes into the internet's reaction the next day and everything has been so worth it. And the show itself is so worth it to watch. But I really had a moment where I was like, I, I think I need to shut this off. You know, there's a phenomenon that I've realized because I know we talk a lot about the discourse surrounding Euphoria and how it's basically half of the reason we watch. Like, yes, the show in itself is so good, but it's so much fun to be on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram just hours after it airs and like be in this collective conversation. But something I'm noticing is... <laughs> there's a lot of like discussions around the plot that can make you feel really stupid or really naive really quickly. And I'm going to give an example, which is like a lot of people are saying, yes, of course, when she wakes up, it's meant to represent that she's been there for days, potentially even weeks. And we're just viewing it as if it's the next day, but she has been in that situation. Was that something that you initially thought? Like, was I stupid for that not being my first reaction? Because when she woke up in that bed, I initially just thought it was the next day. No, I don't at all think that 
anybody would be stupid for not realizing that. I don't even necessarily think that I realized that. I think I thought it was the next day too. And then seeing discourse online about it made me think like, okay, maybe it was a couple of days. Maybe it could have even been a week. But I think you were supposed to think it was the next day. I think it was supposed to be like a time lapse of confusion where you're not 100% sure of that. I think the two conversations that exist that could make you feel, quote, dumb afterwards is the first one was everybody saying online, like, oh my God, I think Rue was sex trafficked. Like, I think that's why she was there. And everyone's like, duh, that's literally what she said she was going to do to her. Duh, that was literally the reason she gave her the morphine even when she had the pills. So that's the first one where it was like, yeah, that was kind of obvious. If you were just realizing that you're not, you're not like special. <laughs> I think the conversation about, you know, she may have had more track marks in her arm than just one shot of morphine from before she put her in the bath. And maybe that is supposed to signify the fact that she was there for a couple of days. I think leaning into that theory is a little bit more, okay, maybe there's something here. This is worth discussing than the other. The other is more obvious to me. Yeah. I mean, Lori is just the worst. Like real quick, did she become the villain of this entire season? I think she was always the villain, but I think that is one of the funnier parts of Euphoria too, is everybody online trying to figure out who the quote villain is. And it's like, the whole point of the show is that every single character has both good and bad qualities. Lori, however, is the only one that is just entirely bad top to bottom. I want to talk about the Maddie and Cassie of it all, because obviously in this episode, we see Rue expose Cassie. And last week, when the three of them were in the hot tub, a lot of the conversation online was basically, Maddie definitely knows, because based on the way she was looking at Cassie while yelling at Nate, based on the fact that you know a few episodes ago, neither of them answered the FaceTime, and based on... Cassie's reaction to when Nate got hurt in the first episode, like Maddie's definitely clued in. So now when people watch this episode, they thought that Maddie didn't have as strong of a reaction as maybe they were anticipating, which it seems what I've seen at least is that people are split. They think she already knew and this was no surprise to her, or it just wasn't as much of a blow up. Where do you stand on that? Okay. I have a couple of thoughts here. My first one, aside from any sort of theory about whether or not Maddie knew, did you find the way that it was exposed to be incredibly satisfying as well? Yes, because it was very full circle. Right, exactly. So that was my first thing. Like, Rue saw her get in the truck. It was never said. And then in this moment, it gets brought back. And it was just the perfect callback. So I was incredibly happy with the way that that came out. Because I think that was another theory that we were all trying to figure out. Like, how is this going to play out? In terms of Maddie not being surprised or having the reaction that we thought she would... I think obviously a lot of that had to do with the circumstance. Like it's kind of hard to react to your boyfriend or your ex-boyfriend sleeping with your best friend when you have somebody who's like literally going through intense withdrawals on your staircase. Like it was so much commotion and so much going on that I think she didn't know how to react, especially being so thrown off by the news. There's also a part of me that feels like she didn't know, but I, or didn't have any suspicions necessarily but it was one of those things where, you know, when you find out information that's absolutely brand new information, but for some strange reason, you don't react to it. Like you're not overly shocked. That's what I feel like happened with Maddie. Like, I think this was brand new information for her, but there was something like instinctually that was telling her that like, this isn't shocking to her. Yeah. I kind of think so too. I mean, the flip side other argument is that she wanted to have a reveal in the way that she wanted to do it. You know, she was planning this like giant humiliation that came in a different form, but that's where that's personally my stance. And I totally could be wrong. I think on some level, she had a feeling she had some bit of an instinct and she kept telling herself that that's not the case. So then when this happened, it was shocking, but not like overwhelming full body range. And also she was still processing. I mean, 
how do you react to that? I, I think you don't know until you're in the situation. Also, I think I agree, like as the viewer, I kind of wanted Maddie to have a stronger reaction just because that's what I had built up in my mind. But it was almost more satisfying that it wasn't that. And then you get an entire next episode dedicated because I think had you been watching an episode where Rue was going through everything that she went through in this episode. And then the second plot that was almost equally as strong was the way that Maddie reacted to Cassie. First of all, it would have been like, okay, I get you're having boyfriend issues, but you're watching like one of the most intense scenes on television. I can't really care about that. And by separating the two things and having a not as strong reaction this episode, you're able to focus on that still being an important plot line without comparing it to the addiction plot line. Well, I had seen this tweet from at Keon and they said, in Euphoria, it's two universes, the Rue universe and the Maddie, Cat and Cassie one, which is exactly how I feel. And we were saying, I think it was two episodes ago where they were all hanging out in the bathroom and you have that moment of like, wait a second, how do you guys even know each other? Because you really do feel like you're watching two completely different shows at times, which is why for Rue to be the one to expose Cassie, on one hand, it's so validating because we saw as, as the audience a few weeks ago when she saw Cassie get into Nate's truck and nothing ever came of it. But at the same time, I do think that that was important because it is that necessary link. You know, you very quickly can feel like these are completely separate plots that have nothing to do with one another. So they had to find a way to reintegrate. And I think that they did it relatively successfully, actually. I also think that when we have those points where there's almost a crossover within the same show, it's so almost obvious that that's the case that the audience really reacts to that like in that scene where Rue comes to the house and Maddie runs up and hugs her and is so excited to see her like that was such an insignificant part of the whole episode in the grand scheme of it but that one screenshot is literally everywhere because people love that moment of those two groups coming together and not just the two groups coming together and being in the same scene like the fact that there's a friendship that exists between them and so I, exactly what you're saying, where that crossover of the two episodes makes it such a satisfying reveal is 100% correct, because I think we're constantly chasing those moments now where they're together because we've recognized that. We've like put a name to why that feeling of seeing them together is so strange. I remember we were talking about that bathroom scene. We were like, I can't explain it, but it's so weird seeing them together. And once we all had that collective feeling we were able to really place it. And now every time that happens, it's kind of this funny inside joke that we all have about how it's two different universes coming together. And for me, honestly, I can't tell you which plot I even quote care more about. Like I obviously understand the Rue one is far more impactful and deals with some very real life issues. And I think did an excellent job of communicating the harsh realities. But like when we see the preview for Kat and Ethan having that sit down, I care so much about that too. And that's why I think this show works because I would assume that this is the episode this week. And next week, we're going to get a lot of the Nate stuff. We're going to get a lot of Kat and Ethan and, and Maddie and Cassie and stuff that feels more trivial in the scheme of things. And that's why I think it works. It absolutely does. Something I really want for next season or maybe even the remainder of this season is for a Maddie Rubon to really grow because I think that would be, I think they would bring out the best in each other. I really do. I also have to say in terms of next week's episode and the Cassie Maddie reveal, as, as big of a plot twist as it was for it to come in that moment, it doesn't even compare to when you hear Jules go, we flushed it down the toilet, and your jaw fucking drops that she's in the house. Hits the floor. I was not expecting that. That's another one where, of course, after an episode airs, you have people online like, oh, of course you knew she and Elliot were there the whole time. And I'm like, I don't know who's we, because I had no fucking idea. No, 
If you say you knew, fuck you, because you didn't. That was the plot twist of a lifetime. She destroyed that house for 10 straight minutes. 10 straight minutes screaming, having the most intense breakdown I've ever seen on television. The best acting, I'm not kidding, I've ever seen on a TV show. And then for all of that to come to a point where you hear Jules's voice all of a sudden, I'm sorry, no. No one thought that was happening. Absolutely rocked me to my core. Oh my God, this show is so good. Zendaya is so talented. I don't even have words for it. Also, the other thing I wanted to talk about, when Rue exposes Cassie and obviously the camera pans to Maddie, you see Lexi in the background just like losing her shit with her hand over her mouth. And they kept panning to Lexi at various times, you know, throughout the scene. And I just want to make the point known, I have not forgotten about her perspective in all of this. Like I, I need to know more of, did she have an inkling what's her involvement? Like what's going through her mind? It's like Isabel and I talk a lot in Bravo about the concept of a trustworthy narrator. And to me, when I'm watching Euphoria, Lexi is my version of the trustworthy narrator. Yeah. And that's why Lexi's play is going to win a Tony. It it has to. The other thing about the show, and then we can move on. It's just like last week we went through an absolute whirlwind with Cal Jacobs, right? Like it's all anyone could talk about the absurdity and the intensity and just the amount of different plots that arose from that one scene. And now it's like, I forgot Cal Jacobs existed. You know what I mean? Like so much just happened that that feels like another life to me. There's nothing funnier to me than the reaction to that scene because every single person who watched it loved that scene so much that they like gave his character full redemption. It's just so good. I can't get enough. I am so grateful it exists. I'm so happy that it was renewed for season three. And I'm just happy that our podcast comes out on a Monday. I am too. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning... There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, 
from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Okay, so I know this happened last week, but I'm sure you saw Adele posted a photo of herself on her grid and she wrote, Hiya, so I'm really happy to say that I'm performing at the Brits next week. And I'll also be popping in to see Graham for a chat on the couch while I'm in town too. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and Rich sends his love. That last line was a direct call out because when her Vegas residency was postponed, there was a lot of speculation online that part of the reason was because her and her boyfriend, Rich Paul, were fighting. So her saying that was basically shutting down the rumors. I have to tell you, Julie, I was so shocked that she did that. Like, I loved it. I was obsessed with it, actually, but I it was the last thing I was expecting for her to do. I just feel like she typically does not operate like that. No, she doesn't. And obviously the shock value was different, but it almost reminded me of Kim posting the Kanye response on her story. Do you remember last year, it was like October or September when Instagram was down for that day and Twitter, like the actual Twitter account tweeted something like, hello, everyone. And everyone responded, all these different brands. And Adele responded something just like saying hi. And we had included it when we did that massive post. It was like one of our highest performing posts ever, got almost 200,000 likes. And you and I saying, we're so surprised that Adele leaned into that because her social presence is just very interesting. Like on one level, it's very curated and kind of minimal. Yet at the same time, when she does respond, it feels like it really is coming from her. This was kind of similar to that where I was like, wait a second, you are playing into a conversation that is happening online and you're addressing it in a very you way. Yeah. Adele's social presence, you're right, is not, it's not just linear. Like it is very curated and it's usually just the very specific things that she posts, whether it's about her album or about herself and it's very infrequent, but she has that personality as we've discussed before, where she will take you by surprise and you'll find yourself reminded of her not being this like perfectly curated image of a person. And that's why it was such a big deal because everything about that post seemed like such a typical Adele post until it hits that last line of, and Rich sends his love. And you're reminded of that fact. I think the other thing, just aside from the fact that she doesn't typically, you know, deviate from her norm and interact on socials in such a way is also that she doesn't typically respond to things about her in the news. There's a lot of rumors that circulate about Adele, especially when it comes time to her album promotion and she's more present. And so for her to pick that thing to be the thing that she responded to, I think was surprising for everybody. Yes, that was, it was surprising. Yet also, I think there was this collective feeling of like, fuck yeah. Yeah, well, I also think that that's a a common phenomenon with celebrities who don't often respond. Again, going back to the Kim thing of like everyone was shocked to see it, but they were also so happy and felt such a sense of relief for her. And I think when you have a celebrity that doesn't typically respond to rumors about them and theories online, when they finally say something, even if it's really tiny and even if it wasn't isn't super impactful, it's the such this empowering feeling for everybody who's involved. There's also kind of... I don't know the best way to vocalize this, but tell me if you know what I mean. I think that there's a feeling with certain celebrities like an Adele, like a Beyonce, like ones who are so famous and they do almost kind of always take a step back. So yes, they're very 
involved with their fans, but they just use social in a different way. They don't interact as much. There's kind of this feeling that arises when they acknowledge something that's been talked about by the public, like on TikTok and on Twitter. It's like, wait a second, you can see the stuff that everybody's saying? <laughs> you know, that's- like obviously logically, you know, but on some level you're like, wait a second. That's exactly what it is. It's like, you are in such an untouchable realm. I'll never get to where you are. Like I'll never be able to touch the levels that you've reached for yourself. But how are you going to come down to our level and see the shit that we're seeing online? Right. And also it's so interesting to see what makes every person like that tick. Clearly for Adele, okay, say whatever the fuck you want, but the second you come up with a completely fake rumor about my relationship that's really important to me, I'm going to respond to it. I mean, it's so different than the Kardashians because obviously they respond to so much more, but we're all kind of surprised when Chloe responds in all caps to the rumors about her and Harry Jowsey. It's like, this is the thing that you choose, which by the way, I'm here for it. It was such an absurd rumor that it was almost hilarious and almost iconic that she she reacted in this way because she clearly shows how little she wanted to be associated with the idea that she was potentially hooking up with a Harry Jowsey. But you can learn a lot about what they care about based on what they choose to respond to. I was just going to say that. The entire reaction of just like, that's what you're going to respond to after months and months of your name being brought up on the internet. And that's the thing that you choose to respond to. It's almost hysterical. I actually think it's like queen shit. (laughs) Me too. It's like, it's like, say what you want about me, but you're not about to associate with me with that. Well, very quickly, just in case anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, there was a rumor that Chloe was hooking up with Harry Jowsey from Netflix's Too Hot to Handle. And the post was from an account called The Car Jenners with a photo of them. And it read, Chloe Kardashian and Harry Jowsey dating. One of my closest friends works at a very well-known PR agency in LA and it's confirmed that Chloe Kardashian and Harry Jowsey are talking. Apparently they've been DMing back and forth and texting. And then last night he picked up a Bentley and flowers just to deliver them to her house. And she commented in all capitals, absolutely not true. He then posted kind of like a photo dump, and one of the photos was of the interior of a Bentley with flowers on the seat, which kind of, you know, fueled the rumors. But with this particular example, to me, it's so much bigger than just Chloe not wanting to be romantically linked to someone she's not linked to. I think it was also like, wait a second, I need to clarify that we are not stooping to this quote level. Like, I think in her mind, there is just no world that she'd be with, like, a Netflix reality star that runs in the influencer world. Like I I think that she thinks that even the association would be potentially brand tarnishing, whether or not that's accurate. But I think that's why it may seem trivial, but that's one of the reasons she wanted to get in front of this. If I was Harry Jazzy, I'd be like, how are you not going to want to date me for being a reality star? We have the same job. (laughs) I know. And honestly, more power to him for the way that he has been able to take his small following and like one of the show's biggest fuckboys and turn it into like a very lucrative career. I think so too. I completely agree. He really turned his character into something. It's kind of like when I jokingly said to you, like when Michelle and Barack Obama started a podcast, I was like, you know, we have the same job as the Obamas. Like that's kind of how I feel about them. It's like, yeah, technically you do the same thing, but it's such a different realm. Right. Like different font, different font. (laughs) Yeah. The thing with the Harry Jowsey rumor is like, obviously I think we both knew there was 0% chance that was true. But kind of like you were saying earlier in terms of like sometimes we like to analyze stuff, sometimes we like to let it just be. Had Chloe not shut that rumor down and had it been given like a little bit of gas online to be maybe a little bit real, I think I would have still known 100% it wasn't. But I would have happily sat here and discussed all of the possibilities of it being real just for the sake of it. Well, because it's so fun to do that. Like just to exist in this hypothetical world for a few minutes where 
they're going to make a TikTok together or Chloe's going to show up to Boa's Steakhouse and like run into Tana Mojo on her way out and like while talking to Fletcher from Hollywood Fix. Like, yeah, I love to consider that alternate reality for three seconds. Exactly. That's what it is. It's just an alternate reality. Yeah, exactly. Also, we now have an official air date for the Hulu show. Hulu posted a trailer this morning confirming it is April 14th. A little farther away than I wanted it to be, but I'm happy to have a date. I'm happy to have a date. I was not expecting it to be two and a half months, though. I can't lie to you. It's it's farther than I thought. It is. And something else that's interesting in the details of the Hulu show is that it's being considered, quote, a lifestyle and culture show and not a reality show. And I wonder what the difference there is, if anything. Well, again, we're operating fully in the dark. We don't know what the format's going to be. We don't, you know, we're so used to 20 seasons of them going about their days and it being filmed kind of in that specific way with those types of confessionals. We could be walking into something very different or something the same, and they're just putting it in a different category for the hell of it. But those are the little elements that I need to know. Well, no soon. We're going to start to get a lot of trailers, I think. And I think soon we'll get one that gives us some sort of an idea of what we're dealing with. That first step was really getting the actual air date out. And now that we have it, I think they're, I think we're going to get a lot of little Easter eggs. I hope so. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. 
That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Also, obviously, on Friday's episode, we had full intention on doing a regular Kardashian bonus show. And then as we're recording, Kim posted that story in response to Kanye's post about North on TikTok. And so we basically spent an hour debriefing it. And then since Friday, Kanye has posted three other posts kind of directly calling out Kim, posting screenshots of various conversations. Since then, everything regarding Kim has been deleted from his grid. But I mean, the one thing that we said we thought was going to happen did happen, which is that Kim never responded. After that one initial story response, that was it. And I think since then, we've only seen the photo of her when she's in the North Face jacket leaving a meeting with her lawyer. But other than that, I mean, it's been kind of radio silence from her on this, which is exactly what we had anticipated. Exactly. And it was so the move because had Kim continued to respond, I think it would have given a lot of validity to the people who were online saying like, Kim and Kanye, keep us out of this. And it's like, it's not Kim and Kanye airing their dirty laundry. It's Kanye attacking Kim on a very public platform and Kim responding once in the way she needed to and then nothing else. And had Kim responded a lot, it would have fed into that belief of like, it's a back and forth thing when it is not at all. I also do wonder if there was a conversation surrounding him deleting his post or if he was going to do that anyway. I mean, I know there's been a lot of lawyers in our DMs saying clearly they are not intimately involved in these divorce proceedings. However, this is not basically not working to Kanye's advantage in the eyes of the court, like this display that he's been giving on social. And so I wonder if someone was in his ear saying, dude, this is not what you want to be doing right now. It's not looking good for you. It's just so sad. Like genuinely, the overwhelming emotion is just one of sadness. I think, of course, there's a lot of frustration that I have to imagine, but this is no way to do it. And by the way, if he's upset about North on TikTok, okay, that's a real thing to be upset about. And you can handle that with Kim privately, but to to go on this tirade, it's so unfair. And that to me is the most damaging thing to the kids. Oh, and he doesn't even see that because it's all about him. He's just, listen, I agree with you a million percent. And I think everyone's kind of on the same page. It's not that Kanye not wanting North on TikTok has no validity as an argument. It's not like him wanting to see his kids has no validity. It's everything he's saying has some validity as an argument in terms of being a parent. It's just the second you put that online and word it in such an attacking way where you're attacking the mother of your children, then you lose everything. There's nothing there for me where I can stick up for you and say that like, you're right and I'm in your corner because I'm not. No one is. You have to be able to say I'm upset about something and I'm going to handle this in the best way possible to get the best result I want for me and my kids. And that has nothing to do with being played out online. It is to watch it play out like this. It's like, especially knowing now North is getting older and obviously with access to TikTok, that means that her friends also have access to things that are being said. That gets back to her. She's at that age now and you have a responsibility as a parent, like, if you're going on and on about how you don't want her to be online, then keep all of your business offline too. So it never has to affect her in that way. But that's what is so frustrating. It's like, even if you are somebody who is fully on board with Kanye's argument and you think that there is no solution or there is no justification for North having this joint account with Kim, like that's your personal belief as a parent, which if it is, I totally respect that. You still can't make the argument that him posting about this is going to change the outcome because it's not. That's why it's so clear. The only thing that he is gaining from this in his mind is the hopes of shifting the public to be against Kim. And how 
having the public against your ex-wife who's also actively raising your children is beneficial to you, you're never going to convince me that that's the case other than just this overwhelming need for control. No, exactly. You are a million, million percent right. Also, though, I have to say, obviously, there is a lot of emotion here. It's a very intense situation, and I think we're all feeling that very much so. For one moment of levity, though, the don't ask me about Yeezys right now is one of the greatest internet moments I think we've all ever had. The ballsiness of this cousin, which I have to assume is Kara, although I could be wrong, is something that I can't even comprehend. Like, you know where Kanye's head is at. You know how he's feeling at the moment. In the height of all of this, you're going to throw in a casual ask about Yeezys that is so clearly an underhanded way of asking for a pair? If I was Kim, I would be livid. I would be like, first of all, if you want to reach out to Kanye and try and help him with this, that's so fine. But then you're going to make me look bad by asking about Yeezys? Like, have some chill. If I was Kim, I would be like, I swear to God, I'm sending your kid Converse and that's all they're wearing for the rest of their life. If I was Kim, I would have been like, I have a lifetime supply of Yeezys in my garage. You couldn't have just asked me. Like, you needed to rile him up over something so trivial. I, that was one of the bolder things I've ever seen. That was one of the funniest internet reactions. I have to tell you, three different people, three, texted me completely out of the blue and said, don't ask me about Yeezys right now. But also, like, if we really want to get into it, I actually think it would have been less bold to directly ask him for a pair. She didn't ask for a pair. She asked, is it safe to buy Yeezys on StockX? Andrew wants a pair. That's like asking an artist who's coming to Madison Square Garden that you're friends with, like, oh, you think it's okay if I go on StubHub? And they're like, okay, so obviously you just want tickets. Like, are you fucking crazy? That was insane. I'll never get over that moment. I swear to God, that's going to be something that I randomly say to you in like 10 years where I'm like, don't ask me about Yeezys right now. Wild, wild. Cannot believe that we have that forever sewn into the online discourse. And such a moment of levity, like in this whole thing, to be able to have that one breath of fresh air of Kim's cousin, not just asking for Yeezys, asking if StockX is a safe place to buy the belugas for Andrew. Uh, it's gold. It's too good. By the way, also a rare moment of agreeing with Kanye. Like, yes, you are absolutely right. Now is not the time that she should be asking you about Yeezys. Andrew is never going to live this down, by the way. Ever. And how pissed do you think Andrew is that he's brought into all of this? He's like, why do you have to tell Kanye that I wanted them? <laughs> like pov you're andrew and all of a sudden your name's on kanye's grid and he's like i just mentioned it one time pov you're andrew and you show up to school in the belugas and everyone's like dude (laughs) (laughs) fucking hilarious oh Oh my god yeah I don't know. It's really sad. It's really dark. I pray to God this gets resolved soon because it's not worth it for anyone. It's terrible for the kids. It's terrible for him, for Kim. I mean, I don't wish this on on my worst enemy, truly. Yeah, truly. Yeah. And also Larry Jackson getting you know, sent into the mix, who obviously is Steph Shep's partner. And I have to imagine you know, he had permission to give Kanye Kim's number, but I'm sure that he, he's a very, very private person. I cannot imagine that he was happy that Kanye posted that in his caption. No, I can't imagine, but I do have to imagine that he asked if it was okay to give him Kim's number because he never would have done that without. Oh, of course not. Steph is like Kim's person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Isabel and I will be back later this week for Bravo. We'll be back later this week for Kardashian bonus show. And we love you guys. Thank you for letting us do this. 